0: Another edition of Beat the Closing Number presented by TheLines.com. You can follow The Lines on Twitter at TheLinesUS. Remember, before we get started, to give the video a thumbs up and ring that bell to get notifications whenever The Lines releases a new sports betting video on any market, including Moe's day-to-day MLB bets. And we're off in that regard on Thursday as we're recording this Thursday afternoon. We'll be back with a Friday edition of some of Mo's favorite baseball bets for the last weekday card. And then we head to the weekend and maybe a little bit of a look ahead to some of the series, but we'll do that with our guest right now, as well as some MLB futures conversation in general. He is Jim Sonnis. You can follow him on Twitter at Jim Sonnis, senior writer and host of Solo Shot, along with the number fire MLB betting community in general, which is a part of the FanDuel umbrella, also does his fair share of NASCAR work for Number fire. wears a bunch of different hats, essentially. How are you doing today, Jim?
1: I am all good. How are you doing, Eli?
0: Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's been a while, and I know, Mo, this is your first time talking with Jim, at least podcast-wise. Jim used to work with our boss, as Mo said before the podcast started, our boss's boss's boss, Brett Coulson, who is one of the lead guys with the lines at Katina media. So everybody essentially knows everybody in this sports betting space. But with that said, Jim, it is your first time on the lines podcast network. And you do a bunch of different work. Like I mentioned, not just with baseball, but NASCAR as well. You're very heavy in the NASCAR betting community too. So for our listeners and viewers that haven't heard you on any podcast or especially with the lines, how did you get your start in sports betting, and maybe a, a driver just for people that are interested in the NASCAR betting market this weekend?
1: Yeah, for me, it started uh, because I just liked numbers a lot. Um, so I've been a sports fan my whole life and I developed this love of numbers, always been fascinated with them. And those translate pretty directly into daily fantasy and betting stuff. So having a way to like... Take my interest in numbers and translate it into something that can actually like get me money was pretty attractive <laughs> to me personally. So that actually was a pretty smooth transition, and then just kind of you know finding different ways to apply and hopefully like refining different models, um, making them better, back testing them, making sure I'm not losing money and stuff like that has been a pretty fun process for me. Um, so. Honestly, I think that the NASCAR stuff is probably my strength if I had to, you know, like look at uh, my, you know, if I'm looking at trying to self-analyze and stuff like that. But it's been fun to develop strikeout models, uh, develop money law models for baseball, uh, and then having a totals model and a spread model for the NFL too. But uh, NASCAR this week, it's pointing to Kyle Larson 7-1 to one, uh, to win the all-star race. Shocker, it would like Kevin or Kyle Larson, you know. Just really bold on that regard, but also Ross Chastain, 14 to one. So the two best friends anyone could possibly have Ross Chastain and Kyle Larson, who are kind of feuding right now. Both those guys valued by my numbers for the all-star race in North Wilkesboro this weekend.
0: That's how you know it's going to be a podcast. We got a couple bets on the board, less than four (laughs) minutes into the episode. And like Jim mentioned, I also hit on this at the beginning with Jim's work on the solo shot podcast. I think that's every weekday morning, right, Jim?
1: Yeah, every weekday morning for that. And then we also have a daily betting podcast called Covering the Spread too. So uh, two podcasts per day, sometimes three when we have uh, Daily Fantasy Golf in there as well. Uh, so trying to sweat the PGA Championship, sweating Orioles' money line right now, trying to you know keep track of as many things as possible at this moment.
0: You're speaking Mo's language, to say the <laughs> least, on Sweat and Bet's a podcast. And Mo will definitely have his fair share of baseball betting insight and, and questions along the way here. But wanna start things off, Mo, with you actually when it comes to those Baltimore Orioles and where they're at in the ALE standards. Yeah, we were looking at Baltimore and we, we, we've been
2: talking about the Rays all year basically. Uh how we keep thinking something other shoes might drop, but it hasn't. <laughs> uh but the Orioles uh did just take the the series from the Rays. Um only three and a half games back. They were the biggest underdog in the division, I believe, just behind Boston uh, to win the division. Um, now they're plus 1,200. You can still get really big price on them to win the AL, actually. Uh, plus 4,000 I saw this morning. Um, what do you think of where the Orioles are going, and do you think their pitching issues, which led me to bet season went total under because I thought this starting staff was atrocious. Um, and they have been uh, bottom 10 and basically all the pitching metrics.
1: Uh, do you think they're going to sink them at some point? So I think that the starting pitching is a concern. I think the bullpen is legit, though, and that does matter quite a bit. You think about the distribution of innings, and it's a decent chunk, goes towards the relievers, and the, the bullpen for them, thanks to some like really nice surprises, I think is pretty sustainably good. So the bullpen is good. I believe in the offense, too. I think they've got a lot of fun pieces there offensively, especially especially if guys like Anthony Santander start to like really hit their stride. I think they could sustain what they've done on offense. So they've got these young guys on offense. They've got some guys who have underperformed a bit there as well and a good bullpen. So that to me says like, I don't think what they've done is fluky. And I think they could continue to win a lot of games and be an impressive team. The problem is the Yankees have underperformed too and the AL East. I Even with that offense being as rough as it is, I think we all expect they'll be better as things go along. The pitching should improve, you would think, there. Uh, the Blue Jays, my number's like them quite a bit, too. And they've got the Jays coming up here uh, this weekend. So even if the, Blue, the Orioles are a, a good team, which I think they are, the problem is there are so many other good teams in the AL East that it may keep them from really pushing for uh, the AL East crown and stuff like that. So... For the futures market, I'm having a tough time getting there just because the path is so tough. But like from an individual game perspective, I think the Orioles are a team that I've shown value in quite a bit recently. Again, I'm sweating their money line right now, which isn't going great as of yet as we're recording this. But I do think that from an individual game perspective, especially when they're playing non East teams, I think we can buy into what they've done so far, more so on a single game basis than a futures betting perspective.
2: Yeah, I... I really believe in this offense. I got behind the offense immediately and and they, they, they got a few games for me as well, but, um, can't say, I can't say it's a team. I bet on a ton, uh, this year, but one that I definitely have been, been backing from, from the start has been the twins, uh, since last year, Eli knows this, uh, very well. Um, second year in a row, I thought the twins were underrated. Uh, really weird season for them so far the pitching has been like tremendous as good as they could have ever imagined but on the other hand the bats which were i think they had a top six offense last year um it's like league average so far this mm. year uh anything you see in from the twins that's making you lean uh one way or another as far as if they're overvalued or undervalued
1: so i think the starting pitching is legit I feel pretty good about that. Even guys like Louis Varland have had pretty good underlying numbers, which is a shock to me. Honestly, watching Varland last year wasn't super impressed, but he's looked good. I think that you look at the changes that Sonny Gray, Pablo Lopez, all those guys have made to their pitch mix this year, specifically adding sliders and stuff like that. It's been good, and I think that's going to stick. Offense, I think, will improve. Carlos Correa should get better. And Alex Kirilov, now that he's healthy, I think that's going to be a big catalyst for this offense, too. The problem is their relievers are all hurt. Um, We saw that in that Dodgers series where they have issues at the back end right now. It doesn't seem like they're all long-term issues for the relievers, so that should get better. And when they're all healthy, when their their bullpen is healthy, it's a very good bullpen, but they're not there right now. So I think for the Twins, if you want to invest in them from a futures perspective, I'd wait, because I think they could be in for a bit of a, a little bit of a bumpy ride here while the bullpen is banged up. Once the bullpen gets healthy, though, if you see uh, Correa's advanced numbers start improving, that's when I'd want to buy in. So I think maybe you can get a better price later on. I broadly believe in them because I think the starting pitching is actually good. But I think that in terms of timing the bet, I think that you might want to wait a bit just because the bullpen is, I think going to be a pretty decent issue for the next couple weeks or so at least.
0: And I want to stay in the AL central because it really is comparable. I think you're a Minnesota sports fan. Correct me if I'm wrong. Unfortunately. Yeah. (laughs) For better or worse. (laughs) You got the t Wolves exit early out of the NBA playoffs. The Vikings are who we thought they were. But Matt Brown, our guy Matt Brown from thelines.com, did cash his fair share of lucky bets. Mo and I will go to our graves with that notion. (laughs) So in the AL Central, though, Mo mentioned that he has been on the Twins the last couple of years. I think he got around, Mo, you can correct me if I'm wrong as well, plus 280, something like that on Minnesota to win the AL Central this year. They're now as low as minus 350 to win the division to Jim's point, despite the bullpen issues. But that's also just because this division is so bad. With that said, though, Detroit, which has surprisingly one of their big offseason pickups last year at Water Rodriguez, struggled mightily last year, along with Javi Baez. Both of those guys have performed well, at least, Rodriguez pretty much the entire season, Baez, ever since he was called out by A.J. Hinch, the former Astros, now Tigers manager. But I digress. Detroit three and a half back in the AL Central, Cleveland four back. And Jim, I don't know if you remember this from last year, but Cleveland could have been had around 10 to one to win the AL Central going back to June. Guardians then went on an ambush. Minnesota's lineup falter that had a ton to do with the Buxton injury, certainly. But if you look at the AL Central betting market, like I mentioned, Minnesota, a clear cut favorite at this point, Cleveland around plus 340 White Sox. You know, I don't know. We can make anything positive out of what's going on in Chicago. So I'll just kind of move past their number Detroit 22 to one. So maybe you don't have a a big time notion when it comes to this division and investing in any other team outside of Minnesota, like you mentioned at the right price at the right time. But do you think Cleveland or Detroit could catch the twins in the AL central long-term?
1: I think the guardians are probably the biggest disappointment so far this year, honestly. And it's not like, it's not just the offense. The offense has been terrible, but like, I think that's not a total surprise because last year they were so dependent on like, just scrappy hitters scrapping away and stuff like that. But the bulk, the starting rotation has been awful. Uh, like Shane Bieber, I don't know if he's like reached an age cliff or what that might be, but has not been the typical Shane Bieber. And their depth guys haven't paid off either. They're demoting guys to the minors justifiably. I think the Logan Allen's pretty good, but like you can't really get by with one piece. So unless their offense finds something, which it hasn't yet, unless Bieber turns things around. I don't have a lot of faith in the Guardians. I think, honestly, if you are looking for a a central team with upside, as bad as they've been, it might be the White Sox, because like they have guys who have underperformed. So far this year, I think I have no idea what's up with Dylan Cease, but like, we know he is a good pitcher. He's just not pitching well right now. And I think that's an important distinction. Um, They've been playing some young guys, and they've got actually a little bit of depth in their, their lineup that they have not had the entire year. I love Jake Berger. Berger's awesome. Like, he was great in college. I uh, Liked him a lot coming out. And now he's finally, like, healthy, which is fun, and hitting the ball pretty well. Tim Anderson has not done a whole lot so far this year, so if they can get Anderson to start to round back in, there's a path. Now, they're in a massive hole. Um, They are 12 games below 500, so they're bad. But I think that there is at least a path to them being good. Is that enough for them to win the Central? Probably not. But I think that they could be a team that I've actually... Uh, been on them quite a bit here recently from a, a Moneyline perspective. Had them last night. I believe I have them today, if I want to uh, check on that as well. Uh, not today, but yeah. I had them, had them last night, but uh, the past two nights, actually. So my numbers have been slowly buying back into the White Sox. I don't think they can win the division, but they could be a team um, that does present some value because they were so bad, but are, I think, finding their footing, at least on offense, and have some pieces in the rotation who could work out okay.
0: No, it's a good point, especially when you think about buy low candidates on a game by game basis. And I just want to confirm with you, Jim, because you did bypass them. So quick synopsis here. No go at all. No buying it all for you on the Tigers. Nope. nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well said. <laughs> quick and short. On to another team that struggled mightily to begin the season. You mentioned that with the White Sox. The St. Louis Cardinals are a very interesting by low candidate considering their division seemingly, especially with the Brewers injuries also flat out stinks to put it lightly. And St. Louis is six and a half back in the NL central, believe only three and a half, four and a half games out of a bunched up and a wild card race that also has a ton of teams that are underperforming that came in with half the expectations. And we'll get into some of those teams that were higher up in the world series futures market after we touch on St. Louis. But the big thing with the Cardinals is we saw it on Wednesday night. I don't know if you were on St. Louis against Milwaukee in the final game of their three game set where St. Louis took two of three and gained a game in the NL central standings. But Matthew Liberatore had a huge 2023 MLB debut. And it was against a lineup that has struggled a ton against lefties as Mo and I touched on, on our Wednesday edition of beat the closing number, but Wilson Contreras was behind the plate, surprisingly, to the Cardinals front office, at least. Maybe not to our eyes, as I don't think any of us would blame Contreras for the Cardinals struggles like their front office has to begin the season. But the lineup is hitting. The pitching staff seemingly is starting to get back on track, and they could be in a position to buy, along with the fact that their bullpen is one of the best in baseball, and underwent a lot of negative variance to begin the season. So long story short, Jim, is St. Louis a team that you may be buying in the futures market?
1: Yeah, I think they're the best buy-low option in terms of divisional futures right now. They're plus 310 at FanDuel Sportsbook to win uh, the NL Central. I think that's a good number, given you mentioned the Brewers injuries. That's a big thing. Uh, and you look at the rest of the NL Central, I think the Cubs are better than their record, honestly. But, like, every team in the NL Central has some sort of, like, Big flaw. The Cubs' defense is rough, um, and that's a, a detriment for them. The Brewers' offense is rough. Starting pitching this year has not been as good. I was following that game last night, more so for the Corbin Burns strikeout under, which did not hit. I think he had seven strikeouts in that game, but I was following that game uh, from that perspective. So the Brewers have their flaws as well. The Pirates, I don't think that rotation will remain as good it is, as it has been uh, so far this year. So in the NL Central, every team has some sort of big flaw. So the Cardinals rotation, I think, is their big flaw. But if Liberatore can like, I mean, it's not just the Brewers. I think he was pitching pretty well in AAA as well. So it's not as if it was just the Brewers lineup that kind of uh, created that nice outing last night. I think he could be a legit piece. Wainwright, really rough uh, rehab stint. His first two starts in the majors have not been good either. But, you know, we know that he is a gamer who can kind of pitch through not having the best stuff. So maybe he turns things around. If they can have those two pieces really be legitimate for this offense or for this team, I think that makes them kind of dangerous. So uh, plus 310 right now in the NL Central, I think if you're looking for like a uh, a team that has fallen behind, that has a shot to make up ground, I think they're probably candidate number one in that regard.
2: Yeah, we've been we've been on this horse for a while. Unfortunately, uh, I didn't hop on when it was plus 500. Um <laughs> I think Eli might have and forgot to tell me, but uh,
0: <laughs> we talked about it on the podcast. It's not like I. It's not like it wasn't a discussion. Really quick here, Jim, before Mo goes on a couple of their potential Bilo candidates. Any thought for you, Cardinals? Even further than just a vision, now, as high as forty to one after sitting as low as eighteen to one to win it all back when the season began.
1: I don't think they have the upside to beat like the the Braves and the Dodgers once the playoffs come around. Like, I think that's where the rotation issues become a big thing where they can win the NL Central with having glaring red flags. I Even if they, if they can... add,
0: though? Even if they add starting
1: pitching depth at the deadline? How much can you add realistically, though? Like, can you add enough to overcome? You know, like, their their active roster starting pitching um, has a 4.46 skill interactive ERA this year. So even if we bank in improvements for that if we think that Lee Barator could be legit I think he could be uh if we think that Wainwright improves that's a lot of ground to make up um and like it's the Dodgers and the Braves if the if the Dodgers and the Braves hadn't looked as good uh so far this year as they have maybe you could talk me into it you could talk me into a Cardinals money line tonight against the Dodgers too hypothetically uh but I think for the playoffs that's where it gets tough and I want more upside there
2: yeah I'm with you um I, I like the Cardinals more as a regular season team. Uh just don't really see this team. I, I, you can add, but it's like you add guys like Jordan Montgomery. You know, these guys are solid, but yeah, they're not
0: like winning you playoff series. Dylan Cease, the, the White Sox may sell. Like, I, I know, Jim, you brought them up. as Last a... year's Dylan Cease? Yeah. <laughs> if he bounces back, I'm just saying as a Cardinals futures ticket holder— I'm just saying, but Mo, go ahead. No, I'm, for, I'm with you. I, last year's Dylan Cease
2: moves the needle for sure. I mean, that guy sure. was an ace. This yeah. year's Dylan Cease is a roughly league average pitcher so far. Um, Yeah, switching to pitchers who have actually been good this year. Uh, we were looking at the AL Cy Young as well. Garrett Cole and Shane McClanahan at the top. Um, Does anyone else stick out to you? Those guys are still like plus at a decent margin not like certain other award markets we'll talk about <laughs> um but yeah does anyone else like stand out to you in AL Cy Young uh one guy Eli was identified in our our list and 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 he stood out to me too I have to be honest is is Kevin Gaussman you know he, he has a two war so far he projects as well as anybody Um uh, my my numbers think he's as good almost as as Garrett Cole, so right, right, right there with him. So, I, oh yeah, does he, he or anybody else stand out to you?
1: Yeah, and Gosman is on a team that's going to make headlines. I think you know as the summer goes along because they're a fun team. I think the Blue Jays are objectively fun, which means they should be in the spotlight more often. They're in the AL East, which gets a lot of attention. And Gosman is legit. Um, his ERA is three point two seven, but I think that undersells actually. It's a good number, but I think it undersells how good he has been. Thirty five percent strikeout rate, four percent walk rate. He's on a good team, which means, again, they'll be in that discussion. He's going to have a lot of spotlight chances. And I think that that's kind of what you want. We saw Gosman, I think, pitch really well against the Yankees a couple nights ago. I think nine or so strikeouts in that game. And this isn't like it's come out of nowhere. He does have some batted ball issues. So he's not like a perfect pitcher. But honestly, like you were alluding to, I don't think the AL Cy Young races, there's really any favor right now. So Gosman's 12 to 1. We've seen him pitch well so far with good results, but also great peripherals. So I think if I'm pinpointing one guy who's a bit undervalued right there and I want to take advantage of a fluid market, I would say Gosman's the guy I'd point to first. And then in the other
2: uh, one that I was just referencing is uh, the MVP markets. You have Otani and Acuna basically flipping with the field, which is kind of insane to say this early, but do you think that's kind of insane, or do you kind of think they deserve to be flipping with the field?
1: I think that with how well they played and how easy it is to envision them to continue to play that way, it makes sense. Um, That doesn't mean that, like, you need to avoid those markets because injuries do happen, especially, like, It's so hard for me to comprehend how durable Otani has been, given how much wear and tear there should be on his body. And we are still in May. So, like, I think every year Otani is healthy, if he, like, makes it through the year and is okay, he should be the the MVP. Like, that's just how it should be. Like, he's the most valuable player in baseball. So, like, if he makes it for the full year, he should be the MVP. But injuries do happen in baseball. And so I think that there's at least leeway to potentially bet into these markets. Now, the problem is... Let's say you hypothetically say, I want to fade Ron Acuna. Who do you do it with? And I can't answer that question. Like maybe Paul Goldschmidt, if you kind of take the, the Cardinals angle and say, okay, they storm back, win the NL Central. I could envision that. But like, I can't pick anybody in the NL to defeat Acuna. For the AL, like, let's say, okay, I want to fade Otani. Maybe wears down, you know, doesn't get hurt, but just wears down. I think there you could talk yourself into Wander Franco at 14-1 to 1 because the Rays have been the headline team so far this year. Franco is a guy who makes flashy plays, actually has good numbers too, uh, plays some solid defense. He's going to steal bases, going to put up impressive like value-based numbers as a result of that. So I would say if you're looking to fade those guys, NL, I don't have a good name for you to, to do it with. Uh, AL, I would say Franco, but mostly I think it is kind of a stay away market for me just because like, again, I think Otani should win it every year where he is physically standing by the end. Got me thinking a little bit, Jim,
0: just digging into the NL MVP market, especially, and going back to a couple of years ago, because like you mentioned Otani and probably more so Acuna, just because of the recent injuries he's dealt with. Right. If he does get banged up, like we saw it, this kind of reminds me of an, I'm curious how you would look at this because do you think Tatis' dominance going back to 2021 when he was probably around the same price at this point in the season, around plus 200 to win NL MVP and then all of a sudden he goes down with the shoulder injury, do you think it's comparable to what Acuna is doing right now? Let's say if he deals with some sort of setback later in the season or is Acuna dominating at an even bigger and greater fashion.
1: Well, I think that the injuries you mentioned are kind of like the key point there where he could, I don't think he's going to like from a, a quality of play perspective. I don't see him falling off. I think it would be, have to be an injury of some kind to take him down, but he's had two different scares in the past 10 days or so, uh, shoulder and then I think a knee in there. So like it's happened and he plays really hard and he does like violent acts um, like defense, uh base running. Those are like violent events. So like, you do is a Byron Buxton truther. I believe me I, I know how violent those things are and how often they can lead to injuries um that that leaves itself up into more open to more variants so like I think there is a path so let's say you like someone in the NL could be maybe like Sean Murphy I don't know like he's been awesome for uh the Braves placed that same team so I think they'd be good even without Acuna uh as far as like actual on-field product but then maybe you want to take that route. Or again, Goldschmidt, I think, is another guy who could potentially be in play for that as well. So I think there is justification to consider someone other than Acuna. I just don't know who I would consider personally. I can't talk myself into anyone at their current numbers. Not to continue
0: to make this a St. Louis Cardinals Futures podcast, but just scrolling through the list, because I was digging through it as we were discussing it, Nolan Arredondo, who is red hot and not to say this sort of a home run pace. I believe five home runs in his last six games or something along those lines. He's now as high as a hundred to one to win an NL MVP. And not that I'm placing that bet right now, because I do think it's Acuna and then the field and it would take an injury. That's not the sort of a bet I'm looking to make just based off of variants in the past, although some betters may feel differently, but Arenado is a name just because he was among the favorites entering the season, and we're seeing his back come alive like it should. Players go through rough stretches, and he just happened to go through a rough stretch in the middle of April till beginning of May to mid-May-ish, so that may be a name worth considering if you're looking for a Super Bilo candidate, at least from a numbers perspective, but again... I digress about my love for the St. Louis Cardinals this season. Jim, how about another couple teams just sticking in the national league that have underperformed in a big way? Like you brought this up at the beginning with the Mets. They had a big time comeback against the Rays. Mo also touched on this with Tampa Bay, potentially being a sell high candidate on a game by game basis, just depending on the matchup that hasn't really happened just yet, but the Mets, Got the best of the Rays last night in the latter innings. I believe New York was as high as fourteen to one or somewhere around that figure. If you were looking to live bet the the Mets and take a long shot single game on Wednesday night, but Mets and Padres were two of the favorites entering the year to win it all. And New York, I believe, has dipped to let's see here my numbers at twenty to one World Series for that matter, and. The Padres, another team that has underperformed mightily, and actually both have really struggled with runners in scoring position, especially when you look at runs, scored and in total bases. Padres are doing so at a very, very unlucky clip. And with that lineup, you have to wonder if they see positive areas at some point in the very near future, potentially a buy-low candidate in a sense on a game-by-game basis, although them versus the White Sox is very different considering their price points In the market, but big picture here, San Diego or New York? If you had to bet one team is a buy low candidate, quote unquote buy low candidate in the World Series futures market, which one would it
1: be? If either, Uh, Mets by a wide margin. Um, I have a lot more concerns about the Padres long term than I do about the Mets. Like they have the the Padres, both teams have volatile rotations, but. It's for different reasons. Um, the Padres just have, like, guys who can be healthy and bad. And, like, that's a concern for sure. And we've seen a lot of their volatile assets hit the bottom end of the range of outcomes. And that's on top of the offense underperforming thus far. So they have multiple red flags. For the Mets, like, it's just the starting pitching. If they can get that figured out, get those guys healthy and keep them healthy, which is a big if. Um, But, like, I think they have more upside to do that than the uh, than the Padres do so the Mets offense I think is pretty legit Brett Beatty he hasn't had the results yet but I think that that is something that could happen here pretty quick based on his expected WOBA based on his barrel rate and stuff like that I think that Beatty could turn things on here real fast and then they'd have the offense their bullpen despite uh, I know Edwin Diaz has been very good this year their defense is pretty solid as well So they've got a lot of pieces. They just need that rotation to be somewhat healthy, which hasn't happened as of yet. So I think the Mets have more building blocks for ceiling than the Padres do, and the Padres have more red flags right now. So between those two teams, to me, I would say definitively Mets as being the preferred team to buy low on in the NL.
2: That surprises me. I I like the (laughs) Padres lineup a lot. So I just, I cannot believe they're going to keep being as bad as they've been. But
1: I mean, Soda's already started to turn around. So that's fair. Yeah, he's you know? been great. He's already started.
2: One more NL uh, award we wanted to see what your take your temperature on. What about rookie of the year? We were looking, and it's looking like a two horse race at the moment with James Outman, who has been just an absolute superstar for my hometown fantasy team. And then uh, <laughs> Corbin Carroll, who has been a menace every time. I fade the Diamondbacks. I swear I've never seen anyone get him out. Um, yeah, either of those two guys, a little more of a favorite to you? Or is there anyone down the board that you think has a shot?
1: Yeah, so I think that both those guys are legit. I think they should stay pretty good. So I'm not, like, actually looking to fade them. But do you think there's in Beatty? I mentioned before that his underlying numbers are really good. Uh, so you look at his, um, his expected numbers at Baseball Savant. His expected woba is 373, which is sick. Um, his actual woba is 319. He has a 53% hard hit rate with a 9.8% bear rate. The bear rate's a bit lower, uh, not as big of a fly ball guy, but I think that like the underlying numbers here say he's been hitting the ball really hard, but hasn't had the results yet. And that's on top of the fact that his plate discipline numbers are very good, uh, slightly better than average strikeout rate. He walks about a, at a 10% clip. Those are great. So you add on... Better batted ball luck to those plate discipline numbers. That to me says he could want to tear here very soon. The one concern with Beatty is they did sit him against a lefty last night, and if they do that more consistently, which they could, they've got the the players on the bench to do that. Then if he loses playing time, then I could see him lacking the upside. But I kind of think that he's he's on like he's due for a tear based on the underlying numbers. So. I'm not actually looking to fade Carroll or Outman, but I think that Beatty's number might be a bit too long just with how well he's hitting the ball right now.
0: Jim, to wrap it up here, baseball-wise, what series are you looking to this weekend? Some potential bats or just a single game bat that may be of interest to you?
1: I think the most fascinating series is the uh, the Blue Jays and Orioles this weekend because, again, I think the Orioles are pretty good. Their biggest issue is the division they're playing. And on Friday, they're facing Yusei Kikuchi, who has a good ERA so far. But, like, the reason Kikuchi has always underperformed his, like, advanced numbers is the batted ball data is hideous. And that has not gone away. Uh, so far this year, Kikuchi has let up a 48% hard hit rate with a 43% fly ball rate. You put that up against an offense. The Orioles' active roster as a 126 WRC plus against lefties. Uh, they did sit a lot of guys today, um, which was a bit of a concern. But like, I'd expect them to be out there again for tomorrow. And Kikuchi is fun, but my goodness, like the 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 warning flash, the warning lights are still flashing there, and to me, that says. I think the Orioles could do some damage in this series against a team that my numbers like a lot in the Blue Jays. So I would dig into the numbers. I think that uh, the Orioles are a team that I do believe in. I believe in this offense. Kyle Gibson, not the guy I want to buy into necessarily as a starting pitcher. But I think that Kikuchi's downsides may be undersold by the result he's had so far. Yeah, so it's kind of like a convergence of a couple of things. It's the the Orioles offense we discussed before, being good against lefties. Kikuchi still being skeptical that the batted ball numbers are going to not bite him in the butt again. I think when you combine those things together, it allows me to buy into the Orioles potentially for Friday, depending on the number, but then broadly be interested in them for the rest of the series as well.
0: That is Jim Sonis. You can follow him on Twitter. At Jim Son is just by his first and last name, senior writer and host of the Solo Shot podcast, along with many other podcasts over at Number Fire, and a part of the FanDuel umbrella, focusing on MLB, DFS, and sports betting as a whole. Jim, last question for you on sports betting Do you believe Chase Audige will return to Northwestern? I'm just kidding. We'll do that another <laughs> time for listeners. <laughs> That are just checking out this podcast on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Jim has a Northwestern hat on, so had to throw that in there. Boo Boo is back. We do know that, but I forever hate the Northwestern Wildcats (laughs) led by Chris Collins. But for Jim, for Mo, for myself, Eli Herskovich, follow the lines on Twitter at the Lions US. Thank you for watching. And listening to another edition, of be the closing number. Remember to head over to play.thelines.com for your chance to win a $25 Amazon gift card daily in our MLB Pick'em Contest and head over to the Lines Discord. The link is at thelines.com to get Moe's day-to-day MLB bets in real time. Moe and I will be back on YouTube and Apple, Spotify, any podcast platform on Friday with his Friday MLB Bets So long. Thanks for watching and listening. Talk to you guys on Friday.